Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And welcome to another edition of Feminist Book Club. Yay! Yeah, I guess it's our first for the year, right? It is. It is. We are starting out <laughs> very strong in our pick, I, I think, personally. Yes. What do you think, Annie? I agree. I think this was a... This was a great pick. And it was like just so educational and it it really dovetailed well with the things we had been talking about at the end of 2022. So it's true. It's Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. As in fact, last year, as in about a month ago, someone used this term on me not too long ago and it made me go, what? Why would you say it that way? That's so misleading. (laughs) Anyway, Uh uh, we did an amazing interview with Gotcha Junior Fox where we talked about her documentary Without a Whisper, which followed the Haudenosaunee clan uh, and their history and their role in the suffragette movement. Um, Dr. Sally Roche-Wagner has been researching and documenting the history for years now and was a part of that conversation with the Mohawk clan mother at the time. If you haven't seen that documentary, please go check it out. It's an amazing educational opportunity, as well as if you're teachers or someone who wants to educate uh, younger generations, this is a must watch. Um, And Dr. Wagner was one of the first to be awarded with a doctorate for her work in women's studies and was also one of the first to found a college level women's study program in the United States. So she is significant. Uh, (laughs) With 51 years of teaching a women's studies, Dr. Wagner has become one of the most active and overall authority of the history of women's studies in this country. So that's something to note. Um, And she has published numerous books on the subject of women's studies and the history of the suffragette movement, including the book we are featuring today. Yay! Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is titled Sisters in Spirit, Haudenosaunee, Iroquois, we're going to put that in parentheses, uh, Influence on Early American Feminists, which published in 2001. So yes, this is kind of an older book, um, 
but still significant to read. She also recently wrote uh, The Women's Suffrage Movement, which looks at the suffragette movement through a new intersectional lens, which we love, and I'm sure we'll tackle that soon enough as well. Mm -hmm. And here's a bit of information written in Sisters in Spirit of some of Dr. Wagner's work. Quote, the theme of her work has been telling the untold stories. The exhibit and her monograph of the same name, She Who Holds the Sky, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, reveals the suffragists written out of history because of her stand against the religious right 100 years ago. While her traveling exhibit in Women's Rights National Historic Park curriculum, Sisters in Spirit, documents the influence of the Haudenosaunee women on early women's rights activists. So there you go. And again, we talked about this and the significance, but we're going to talk a little more in depth with this book. And like many of the books we have covered uh, for this segment, this is very quote heavy because, yeah. of course, they do the explaining in the book. So we're just going to talk about it. Um, so we wanted to take some time to talk of the history and the themes with a discussion around the quotes from the book. So instead of doing like, we're going to talk about the book and then do themes, we're going to do themes and quotes all at the same time to cover the entirety of the book, which is very short, by the way. So again, this is like an hour and a half, two-hour read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's begin with the introduction, which was written by Jean Shenandoah of the Onondaga Nation. In the intro, we are asked to open our minds and our eyes to learn things we may have, quote, never thought about. Shenandoah writes, We hope that the messages inside will help to open your eyes and ears to things you may have never realized or even thought about, since this type of information has been withheld in the education of all the people. And goes on to talk about the history of the Haudenosaunee, quote, We Haudenosaunee live within the traditional structure that we've always had, the structure of equality among all members of our community. Women, men, and children have equal spiritual, human, and political rights. We have equal opportunity to voice opinions or objections to any situation within our community, and we know that our voice will be heard. And with that, she continues, read this book and learn from it. It helps you to realize what women have gone through to make a stand for their rightful equal place on earth. So it's a pretty good start. <laughs> I think it's a great start. Uh -huh. So the book begins with a question that should be asked for all of our historical understanding. Quote, who gets to be part of history? Um, we have to acknowledge our lack of knowledge and lack of education when it comes to the complete history and be wary of who is teaching it. Dr. Ra Dr. Wagner writes, uh, we Euro-Americans, you white people, Annie, I'm going to say this to you, <laughs> <laughs> are filled with a poison of misinformation. Great gaps of knowledge accompany the lies. Oh, Missions teach us equally and more insidiously than misinformation. The lesson of exclusion is clear. Groups of people included in the interpretation of history are respected, while excluded groups are outsiders and can easily be ignored. If our teachers do not tell us about a group of people, we assume they are unimportant. And I, oh my God, that's so right on. And we've talked about this with the complete lack of transparency when it comes to education. I think it's a huge subject now. I can't believe she wrote this in 2001 and it hits right on the head today. Yeah. Yeah, because it's such a huge topic of, of debate um, right now. And it's one of those political issues that people use to get um, their constituents fired up. Uh, and it's very misunderstood. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's what we learn is so much like white-centric, very male-centric. It's not until you get out of college and even then that you you kind of are like, oh, <laughs> these things right. I should have been taught from the beginning. Right. It was never there. Right. And and the fact, and we know she has been, uh, Dr. Wagner has been working on this for a long time. This is a 22-year-old book. Um, and I'm just learning about it. 
this mm-hmm. past year to this year. Like that's horrific to me. I cannot believe it took us this long. And then we've talked about on the show the constant uh, erasure of marginalized people in history and why it's important that we make sure we keep talking about it and that other people are educated. So it it just is one of those things that it hasn't changed (laughs) centuries upon centuries. But we do have people like Dr. Wagner who still talk about it, who still push it forward because she's been talking about it for the past 23 years, if not longer. So that's Mm -hmm. amazing to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we have to acknowledge the reason for the lack of truth and information has to do with racism. Uh, She writes, the message of omission is an educational foundation of racism. Through the silence in our education, many of us have learned not to listen to the histories of people of color, women, and other excluded groups. And yeah, like she just puts it plainly, this is racist. This is an absolute racist take on history because it's been whitewashed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I bet for a lot of people who, as always, we hope you go read these books after we say, after we talk about them. But I bet for a lot of you, this will be new. Um, right. A lot of it was new for us. And right. we're like kind of in this field. So. Right, right. And the fact yeah. that I have not heard this being addressed, I don't think I've ever heard this being addressed. Except for small groups of people, I feel like. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. rant for a sec. Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association member FDIC.
And even deeper into the telling of the history, we have to acknowledge the failability of the teachers, but also the fluidity of history. Dr. Wagner writes, There is nothing inherent or inevitable about history. Created by people, it is shaped by the same sociopolitical economic forces that determine the telling of it. History changes like institutions when people demand change. As excluded groups see conclusion in institutions, they also celebrate their histories demanding to be remembered. United States history has gone through phases in the last 50 years reflecting cultural and social shifts towards greater inclusion and diversity. Right. I hope we come back to that. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is so cyclical um, in where we are today. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know the backtracking that, I guess, the political shift more so that has happened recently, including attacking uh, Native and Indigenous laws that were placed to protect, but also to acknowledge the wrongs that have happened to them by the colonization that continues to happen, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And and I hope that this continues bigger and bigger because we are going to have this conversation and we're not going to stop having this conversation. We don't know what's happening in schools. We don't know what's happening around us right now all the time. Um, We hear all the bad news. I hear all the bad news. But even talking to some teachers, they're like, we haven't had a pushback like that yet but doesn't mean it's not coming around necessarily or that it's not happening elsewhere. So I'm hoping that it is just more of a shift of the the people who are just talking the loudest yeah. and that this information is going to get out more and more because I think more, especially the younger generations are wonderful. They're seeking for more information like this. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that there's that going on. There is There is this push that Wagner described, Dr. Wagner described, um, and I think also just, I hope, um, <laughs> books like this and even podcasts like this, perhaps to a smaller level, not to shoot your own horn, but like that kind of information is becoming more and more available. Whether or not you find it, that's an issue, but it is out there. I feel like there's more things out there for people to find. You just have to know how to look for it, and that is, yes, a problem. Um, Dr. Wagner continues, This phase of history also conveyed the message that the only people that matter are wealthy white men and that common people have no influence over the course of events. Right. And in this example, she talks about uh, the story of Christopher Columbus and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and the way it was framed and what we see today. And I love that. I love that we have come to a cultural shift of changing that to Indigenous uh, Peoples Day, like Awareness Day. I'm like, yeah, okay. We're getting there. We're getting there. At least we're getting there with terms. We're getting there with understanding. But there's obviously so much that we're lacking. Right. And we even talk about that with things like our our episode we did on Wikipedia, or those check-ins with like, there's still so much further to go in terms of who we're talking about and right. who we're recording. And it still is this a lot of this kind of wealthy <laughs> white man. It is getting better, but it's like slow going. <laughs> so, right. Um. But as she wrote, history changes, and that is thanks in part to those who saw the injustices of these whitewashed contexts. She writes, quote, Recognition of historical injustices opened the way to see the triumphs of those who resisted, overcame at nearly overwhelming odds, and survived. Most recently, we have begun to explore the unexpected and largely unknown stories of friendships established during colonization and coexistence and of the way groups influenced each other. 
Right. And I love that beginning because that's kind of the thing we talked about with uh, Fox about her documentary was that more so than just the history, we were seeing the friendship between Dr. Wagner and the clan mother and how they've been friends for years, but just loving their relationship even. And that was one of the bigger things to her that she saw following them around and the love between them and the work they've done throughout the years like this book and the, and the forward. Um I really found it fascinating. And also, yeah, the fact that they have survived in, when we talked with Fox about even the native language and that she didn't know it because, yes, it had been literally beaten out of them in, during the boarding school um, era and, and now has come back and is being restored. And it's a beautiful thing because they know that it has to survive. And it's an amazing uh, thing to witness today. Yeah, yeah. And and things like just the cultural practices and the stories and um, passing these things down from generation to generation. We really can't recommend that documentary enough. It was yeah. so enlightening and it's beautifully shot. But yeah, I right. love the friendship between between them two. And then also seeing these multiple generations of women right. uh, talk about these issues. Right. Uh, and Dr. Wagner asks us, the readers, to seriously think about the radicalism of the suffragette movement. Uh, though we celebrate the 19th Amendment today and acknowledge the works uh, of the more well-known activists like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, which, by the way, I believed Dr. Wagner had a hand in bringing her history back for a while. It was uh, missing until Oof. not too long ago. So that's uh -huh. pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't always look deep at the fights they had to endure. And for those who are willing to call out oppressive systems, that even today is still a controversial topic. And within these conversations, we have to look at ourselves and ask, would we have done the same thing? Or as Dr. Wagner puts it, uh, just be, quote, safe. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk a little more about that. And, and just so you know, we're not going to go deep into some of the analogies because I have a hard time with some of these analogies when it comes to white women movements, uh, mm -hmm. to enslavement. And there is some conversations about servitude back then and the limited freedoms and all of that. So there is some conversations about that in the book. We're not going to harp too deeply in it, but just know that it is there in that in the awareness that women have no rights at that point in time, especially the beginning of the movement in the mid-19th century going forward. So there was a lot of time about emancipation and conversation. So this was something that was in their thought processes. And I think it's important to note, but we're not going to go deep into that part. Mm -hmm. um, but a part of Dr. Wagner's work includes the history of many women as part of the uh, suffragette movement, as well as preserving the works of the women, especially those who are lesser known. Within the book, she talks about the works and interactions of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Matilda Jocelyn Gage. Um, and Gage was with the suffrage triumvirate alongside Stanton and Anthony. So they were the first three, essentially, uh, leaders. And they met up the leadership position of the National Women's Suffrage Association. Gage and Stanton concentrated on more radical levels of feminism at the time. Dr. Wagner writes a quote made by Gage, quote, the laws, civil and social, each equally burdensome are church origin, and not until the church is destroyed will women be freed, which even said today would cause a lot of controversy. We know this. As in yeah. fact, people saying it today is causing a lot of controversy. Uh -huh. Stanton uh, seemed to have agreed, uh, as Dr. Wagner quotes from one of Stanton's letters, as I have passed from the political to the religious phase of this question, I now see more clearly than ever that the arch enemy to women's freedom skulk behind the altar to rouse women to a sense of their degradation under the canon law and church discipline. 
is the work that interests me most and to which I prepare to devote the sunset of my life. Wow. <laughs> right. 1850s, 1870s, they were talking about this. This was not heard of. We know that there's a deep conversation about religiousness and, and like religious morality. I did not know that they were so against the church. I think I knew very little on that level of like they just wanted to move forward um, in women's rights, but they were supremely against the church as it stands. And that kind of comes into the conversation about white nationalism today and how it relates together. And it's pretty amazing to see that we're still here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big focus of the book, honestly. Um, yeah. And that surprised me as well, how much they wrote about religion and specifically here, like, you know, white European religion, that how it was oppressing women and... That's something you and I were working on a long series about oh, religion God, and it's women. It's getting longer. It's getting longer and longer. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's still a huge, a huge topic today. But I was surprised at how much of this book, I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> they did not hold back. No. And they weren't the only ones. They definitely were the quieter voices, it seems. Because, again, like Dr. Wagner makes mention that Susan B. Anthony was the perfect example of the quiet, demure moral uh, representation of the suffragette movement and not necessarily Stanton or Gage who were like, yeah, the church, the church is destroying us because y'all want to put us under this awful idea that Eve has uh, cursed us all, which yeah. they talk about too. But it, it's, it's an interesting take and I love it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, they wrote in the history of women's suffrage, quote, society is based on this fourfold bondage of women, church, state, capital, and society, making liberty and equality for her antagonistic to every organized institution. So those are the four institutions. And to kind of break it down, we're just going to, I kind of summarize it with state being under government control with no rights and limited liberty. Capital is the idea of marriage, which equates to unpaid labor and servitude and often leads to the women having no rights or no say within the household or the land, no right to property as well either. Society, which is an inability to earn wages or have a career, which takes away from their having independence, liberty, and even equality. Um, and even if I'm like, we're going to break that down a little further because she does talk about these four subjects uh, throughout. And of course, we just mentioned the church. So we don't have yeah. to explain that, I don't think. Yeah. I would also <laughs> add in here, I've long wanted to do this episode. I think it would be very complicated. Perhaps we'll talk about it in the religious history one. But there is a long history of wanting to restrict women's rights because many women or people with uteruses can have children and children at this time were used for labor and so it was a type of capital and they wanted to men in the church the church didn't want to pay for um children born out of wedlock that came up too is like women who had children people who had children having no rights to the child either right mm-hmm. right and yeah that was comp- that they were property uh, on the same level as women were property mhm Right. Very interesting. Um, So where did these ideas, these institutions come from? And on the interview, I admitted to Fox uh, that this was one of those moments that felt obvious that the suffragette movement wasn't something born from the Eurocentric ideal, uh, that the beginning of this country was based on the oppression of the European British standards. So (laughs) it kind of was like, oh, yeah, 
duh. Yeah, it made so much sense. Like, yeah, of course, of course. Of course, we just don't think that that far behind. Uh, Dr. Wagner, she writes about her own misconceptions. I did not set out to look for this connection, this link between early suffragists and Native peoples. In truth, if someone has suggested it to me when I taught my first women's studies class in 1969, I would have scoffed at yet another more, quote, romantic Indian story. I had a single question, basic to feminist history. How did the radical suffragists come to their vision, a vision not of Band-Aid reform, but of a reconstituted world completely transformed? Um, And I thought that was something significant. She admits it. And then she goes on to talk about the fact that she never once doubted that it came from the European women, even though when we look at the historical context, European women didn't have freedoms like that. Right, right. And I think that goes to show how deeply ingrained our whitewashed history is, is that, I mean, she admitted it, I can admit it. I didn't really think about it. When when I learned it, I was like, oh, of course. Um, but it, that's how deep this is, and that's how damaging that kind of erasure is. Because we could have, I mean, it's heartbreaking in so many ways, but we could have learned so much more if we had had right. that history available to us. Instead of, they taught us how to plant corn. Yes. The Native people taught us how to plant corn. And I mean white people, sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, this is something that she discovers and we'll talk about in a few minutes. Yes. Uh, But first, Dr. Wagner begins by breaking down the language of the colonizers versus the indigenous. Uh, The different types of misinformation presented in the usage of the term Indians, for example, um, is an example of the harm and dangers of colonizers giving names instead of the community letting us know the name that they go by. The different tribal names given were also given by colonizers as well as the term tribes. Dr. Wagner writes, not recognizing the terrible appropriation of self-identity inflicted in a false other-imposed name, they huff at, quote, political correctness that requires them to change their language. Yeah. (laughs) Why is it still relatable? I know. (laughs) I know. I mean, let's be honest. Like, when we talk about a lot of these conversations and issues, yeah, it's still ongoing today, even to the point that finally... They, people have stopped saying the term Indian, which makes me cringe to say yeah. it, I'm not going to lie, uh, to Native or Indigenous or First Peoples, which is appropriate, which makes complete sense in, in the fact that this was not the name they were get, like they go by. This has right. always been an insulting term for them because it was given by colonizers as a way of kind of ownership of yeah. that community. And it's, it's like, oh, God, yeah. And I love that sentence about her saying... The terrible appropriation of self-identity inflicted, uh, like, that whole sentence. We talk about appropriation, and this was 2001, and it existed then, but it wasn't this big conversation it is today. Yeah. That, yeah, it absolutely was. This is absolutely some of the evidence of appropriation committed by colonizers, and which is the example of why this is so damaging. Yes. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, 
retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And an important lesson, Dr. Wagner writes, self-naming is, of course, a critical part of the process of creating a diverse culture. One rule, when in doubt about what to call a person or group, don't tie up their time and energy in asking. Read what they have to say. Then sift carefully and slowly through the multiple answers, knowing that this is not a trivial matter. So we change by evolving and respecting the culture that has been around before the existence of this country. Yeah. Yeah, ask questions, ask good questions, wonder who wrote the history, always. Um, but I do think that's part of it is like a lot of people, and we've discussed this again going back to that Wikipedia episode, is if it's not easily found, I think a lot of people just don't put in the time. Right. And we really need to. We right. have to. <laughs> right. And yeah, like she even says, don't tie up their time and energy, which right. is exactly that conversation is that we're asking for something of value from them because we're mm-hmm. too lazy to look at it ourselves when the right. work has already been done. Yes, yes. Also an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Here, Dr. Wagner emphasizes the importance of recognizing the community as they call themselves. And here, Dr. Wagner is specifically talking about the six nations of the Haudenosaunee, or formerly named Iroquois, which includes the Onondagas, the Cayugas, the Senecas, the Mohawks, and the Oneidas. Later, they would add the nation of Tuscaroras, and Haudenosaunee translates to, quote, the people of the longhouse from the circumstance that they likened their political structure of a long tenement or dwelling. Yeah, and I'll also add, if you get the book, and I hope you get the book and you're able to read it, they do have a lot of amazing illustrations. Mm-hmm. 
to go with these. And, and there is a, a great illustration like of this dwelling. So it's really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And these are people who would heavily influence the radical movement of women's rights and the beginning of feminist ideology. According to Dr. Wagner's research, the women's rights movement really began in the territory of Haudenosaunee in 1848. Uh, and as we said earlier, she found these answers to who was the influence in the women's rights movement. Um, here's another quote from the book. It dawned on me I had been skimming over the source of their vision without even noticing it. My own stunningly deep-seated presumption of white supremacy had kept me from recognizing what these prototypical feminists kept insisting in their writings. They believed women's liberation was possible because they knew liberated women, women who possessed rights beyond their wildest imaginations, the Haudenosaunee women. Um, And she later continues, like most historians do, I had assumed that the story of feminism began with the discovery of America by white men or the political revolutions staged by the colonists, that there was no seed of feminism already in American soil when the first white settlers arrived. Without realizing it, I had assumed that white people had imported the germ of the idea of women's rights, and that was the end of the story, right? I think that's the two parts that we wanted to talk about. Like, that is white supremacy, that level, whether or not you want to admit it, and because people don't like that term, white supremacy, because it's too heavily linked with, you might be racist. Um, but that is, that underlying racism that you don't know about, that even, like for me as well, obviously, I'm still as an Asian woman hanging on to that white supremacy and assuming the same thing, that it was it began with white women, point blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so much offensive like ideas underpinning that and terminology underpinning that, that uh, the book does go into. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty distressing and disturbing because yeah, if you you don't know, because you were raised with this particular version of history that we're all kind of like growing up in, um, then you don't know to ask. And so it's so good that the work like this exists and people are asking now because... It is just the, so much of what the Haudenosaunee, like there was one chart, I, you were, you know the chart I'm talking yeah. about where it showed that like how their society is versus like. Oh, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, like it was such a beautiful thing that even today I was looking at it like, what? <laughs> right. right. I can barely imagine this. And to be honest, even to this day, they still have more rights and more uh, equality than we do as a country today in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> Let that sit with you. Right. Uh-huh. The culture uh-huh. before, in the 1800s, before the 1800s, since they've been existing, has more rights than us today. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's just, again, so frustrating that so many of us do think of when we think of the feminist movement, we think of these white women and there were so many women of color behind it that get erased. But then to have them get the credit of like being the start of it when they were learning from all of these right. indigenous women, like that's where they got these ideas. Um, and she was able to research the truth of the beginning of the movement. She writes, they, Stanton and Gage, looked elsewhere for their vision of the regenerated world, and they found it in upstate New York. They became students of the Haudenosaunee and found a cosmological worldview they believed to be superior to the patriarchal white male-dominated view prevalent in their own nation. <sighs> 
So have we. (laughs) (laughs) Gage was an avid researcher of the Haudenosaunee culture and the role of the women in their system, which she termed matriarchate. I think that's correct, or mother rule system. As in fact, Gage wrote articles about the Haudenosaunee and also started a book. Here's another quote from Dr. Wagner. The editor of the New York Evening Post said that Gage expressed, quote, an exhibition of ardent devotion to the cause of women's rights, which is very proper in the president of the Suffrage Association and gives prominence to the fact that in the old days when the glory of the famous Confederation was at its height, the power and importance of women were recognized by the Allied tribes. Right. I found it interesting because we're going to go deeper into the fact that these women who were trying to advocate so hard for uh, the women in the United States at that point in time, in the in the white territories, I guess, were trying so hard to bring that cultural aspect to it, but had to admit they loved and rather would have stayed with uh, that culture. Mm-hmm. the indigenous community because they were they were even given the same rights as the Haudenosaunee women there who were have been born into that system but they were accepted of it and because of this they came back with allies who helped to be like here here you go we got your back this is what you can do this is what we're going to tell you about we'll tell you about our system we'll show it to you and show you how wonderful it worked yeah there was a lot of examples of that throughout and also a lot of like discussion hit home again of how they felt safe, like, walking at night alone. Yes. In yes. Native territories, but didn't. They never had that. Con- in fact, they were surprised yeah. when they felt that safe. They're like, yeah, why wouldn't you? Right. And as both Stanton and Gage continued to push forward in the women's rights movement, they noted, quote, The society in which they lived was based on the impression of women. Haudenosaunee society, on the other hand, was organized to maintain a balance of equality between women and men. And they went as far as creating a list, yes, this is what we were talking about, uh, to show those differences, which they break down uh, as social, economic, spiritual, and political Here are some of the examples. Um, Haudenosaunee, violence against women, not a part of culture and dealt with seriously when occurs. Each woman controls her own personal property. Sky woman, the spiritual being catalyst for the world we see. Women hold key political offices, e.g. clan mothers. And for Euro-American women, husbands have legal right and religious responsibility to physically discipline wives. No rights to her own property, body, or children. No female in the Godhead. And women are excluded from political office. Also, they can't vote, while Haudenosaunee are the ones to choose their chief. Right. And there's a lot more to that list. Uh, We just wanted to give you a little bit of an example, but it's, again, shocking. And again, more rights than what we have today, even. Like, we've gotten more rights since then. Yeah. But still less rights than what the Haudenosaunee women has. Yeah. I thought thought it was interesting they included the bit about, like, the Godhead. There's no... Because as you said earlier, that idea of Eve ruining everything in kind of white Christian religion. Um, so it's like, not only do we not have, like, a god, a woman, we have, like, the woman ruined everything. <laughs> right. They are meant to be punished because they are the ones, they are the fault for sin, period. Yes, yes. And, and still made are, from apparently. Man. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
noxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also many of the, these women who studied the Haudenosaunee were adopted into the different indigenous communities during their time with them, allowing them to practice leadership and autonomy under the Haudenosaunee lifestyle. So they got a taste. They got that taste. Yeah. Um, and those who did study the lifestyle of this indigenous group all acknowledged the overall equality and freedom within the community, even beyond the freedom of the women. The system that was used by the Haudenosaunee brought about peace within the community and a camaraderie. Um, and yeah, like you said, there was safety and there was a lot of measure to make sure everybody felt equal and a part of the system. So it wasn't just you have this role, it's a minute role, get out of the way or you'll be beaten. Um, yeah. And if you could step out of line, whatever, it was like, no, we all are equal to each other. One doesn't outdo the other. We balance each other. Right. Um, and that whole idea, too, is so stark of like, you know, hurting a woman with the Haudenosaunee people punishing seriously very very rare but yeah. it's like codified into law that men right. could do that to their wives if they right. like strayed or did something right. quote heavy quotes wrong <laughs> right and it's biblically allowed right. not mm-hmm. biblically allowed biblically forced they were like you have to do this right because otherwise the sin will get hold of her <laughs> uh, it was their responsibility to right. keep their wives in check yeah it's really Real messed up. Um, real, real messed up. Yeah. And in their culture, the Haudenosaunee had freedoms that seem radical even today to some extent. Women choosing their leaders and being able to fire him if his actions violate uh, their three qualifications. Quote, they cannot commit murder, cannot commit theft, and cannot abuse a woman. Ah, that's Right nice. there. Right there. <laughs> um, and on top of that... Divorce was not looked down on, which Stanton was a proponent of. Dr. Wagner writes, she found a model in the Haudenosaunee attitudes towards divorce where, quote, a misbehaving Iroquois husband, quote, might at any time be ordered to pick up his blanket and budge. Get out. Get out. (laughs) Pick up his blanket and budge. Yeah. I love it. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Ah. That's great. And her views on divorce were in part due to the level of the structure of marriage, with marital rape and abuse being legal, as well as women's complete loss of autonomy to the authority of their husband, Stanton looked toward the practices of the Haudenosaunee. She is quoted in the book as envying how Native women, quote, ruled the house. Dr. Wagner continued later in the book of the seriousness for men of the Haudenosaunee misbehaving, uh, including rape, which researchers noted was non-existence. Uh, she writes, a Tuscarora chief, Elias Johnson, wrote the absence of rape and, quote, sexual violation of women was virtually unknown among Native men. Right, which is amazing. And I think I know Fox talked about that during yeah. our interview as well, that that was not introduced until <laughs> Christian missionaries came through and tried to, quote-unquote, civilize right. the, the uh, indigenous community, which... Damn you. (laughs) (laughs) And as for domestic violence, if one of the indigenous men were known to be abusive, he was, quote, led to the red-hot statue of a female and requested to treat it as he had done his wife. He commenced beating it, and the sparks flew out and were continually burning him. So that was his attrition, essentially, just to like, okay, we got this burning hot uh, statue. Go for it. Show us. (laughs) And which would just cause him to burn. I'm like, I like it. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So obviously there was very limited numbers of domestic violence at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And on top of the different responsibilities, the Haudenosaunee women were farmers and the authority of the land. um, 
Here's another quote from the book. Satisfying and sacred, women's work harmoniously complemented the hunting diplomatic duties of men. Both were equally valued. Within the framework of community responsibility, individual liberty flourished. Um, and, you know, we, we had this conversation about uh, feminism in general a while ago as we were talking about the different waves that, yes, at one point, the women wanted to be able to work, which kind of contradicted the fact that women who had to work and had no choice and had right. to do menial labor and the fact that this is not a right to them. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, but this comes to the fact that it's about the balance because at this point in time, um, Stanton and, and Gage were both talking about the fact the women were in uh, pretty much servitude to their husbands and were not allowed to do anything else and had no monetary savings themselves and had no rights to anything. So if they were ever to be abandoned, they would have nothing. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that was really striking to me because even if I personally believe that women's work is undervalued. It should be paid way more. I'm I'm of the belief like women who stay home and take care of kids should get paid some like financial compensation because it's right. a job. This is hard for me to believe our society could ever reach a point where we equally value quote right. women's work and men's work. Because that's right. how difficult this battle has been. <laughs> right. And it still continues to be, obviously, as you were yeah. talking about, even like the pay gap that we continue to talk about and then the gender gap when it comes to opportunities for better jobs or good jobs or different jobs. Mm -hmm. <sighs> mm -hmm. um, but there was a balance in the Haudenosaunee community. Um, Dr. Wagner writes, women were responsible for everything in the earth while men had the care of everything on the earth. And yes, that's... I think that's part of the biggest conversation that gets lost when it comes to like men's rights movements and all this bull. We want to equal footing. And at this point, that's no longer equality, it's equity. And that's a conversation we need to have in itself. And of course, it becomes an intersectional thing, mm -hmm. which, yes, it's a big, big conversation. But to the fact that they started equal, they've been equal, they don't have to talk about equity because they're already equal. And this is the conversation that we don't have enough of. And it's this balance of like, yeah, you can have this one and one, one and one, as in like, okay, if you want to be a stay at home mom, that's wonderful. You do you, but you also have that right to have a vacation, to have a compensation and have time off, like all of those things where you should be allowed that just as much as the husband is and that he should be able to follow through with that as his is. Like he gets vacation every day if she's there taking care of the children and mm -hmm. feeding him and cleaning the house. Equality would be that he would take that footing as if this was her job as well. Right. With equal compensation mm -hmm. and equal time off. But that's that's a whole different... I digress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And with all of this knowledge, the movement went forward. The activists took up the act of civil disobedience, including trying to vote and not paying taxes. They declared the states uh, violating the law by, quote, refusing to women citizens the exercise of a right secured to them by the Constitution of the United States, including the denial of women's legal right to vote. And it was soon after that Susan B. Anthony would be arrested and tried for voting in 1873, which led to Anthony being found guilty of voting and fined $100, which would lead to the Supreme Court case brought on by Virginia Minor, but they lost. The court declared, quote, states have the absolute right to grant or deny suffrage. But of course, that didn't stop them from continuing to fight. Another quote from the book, ridiculed, labeled heretics, and arrested for the crime of voting, the courageous suffragists continued to believe in the rightness of their cause. 
And as they continued to work for the right to vote, the activists kept looking to the examples of the Haudenosaunee people. Dr. Wagner quotes both Stanton and Gage. Stanton writes, The women were the great power among the clan, as everywhere else. They did not hesitate when occasion required to knock off the horns, as it was technically called, from the head of a chief and send him back to the ranks of the warriors. The original nomination of the chiefs also always rested with the women. And from Gage, quote, the common interests of the Confederacy were arranged in councils, each sex holding one of its own, although the women took the initiative in suggestion, orders of their own sex presenting their views to the council of men. Right. And they could, they held tight to that. Um, we still don't have that. No. <laughs> I'm so disheartened. Um, of course, like it, it is, it's something that they looked for. This was radical. So I, I, I'm not going to lie, I knew about Stanton. Kind of knew about Gage, not really, but to understand that they saw the bigger picture. They saw the bigger picture even for today, and it's phenomenal that we're still behind what they wanted. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of those things where it's also so difficult to untangle when your government is kind of based in white supremacy and in sexism and in racism, like all of those systems. So like they're trying to get the right to vote within this system that's already kind of <laughs> kind of right. messed up. Um, and so when you see like, you know, the Haudenosaunee, they can just knock the horns off as they say, like, oh, this mm. is not working. Whereas we have like convicted <laughs> like sexual right. assault people who represent us in our government and can't seem to get them out. Right. Like, it's just such a stark, again, stark difference. And then we accept it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, like oh, yeah. <laughs> have a House of Representative whose entire campaign was based all on lies. Yeah. And our Speaker of the House refuses to denounce him. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who was a veteran. And who's supposed to be one of the better. Right conservative representatives. Like, that that level just blows my mind. Like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk much about it before in, in this outside of, like, talking about how much Denton and Gage really opposed the church mm-hmm. um, and felt like they were uh, giant oppressors. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. 
not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. So here's a quote from Gage that Dr. Wagner uh, pulls forth, that the woman of every Christian land fears to meet a man in a secluded place by day or night is of itself sufficient proof of the low state of Christian morality. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty damning. <laughs> I mean, totally on point, though. Like, yeah. yeah, if you're good, you can't feel safe around a, quote, good Christian man <laughs> in the dark. That's is saying something. I agree. Right. And mm-hmm. and they, they talked about beyond that about the oppression of men and that the religion religion itself that was brought over by uh the European standards was to oppress women. And that's the intention of it all. And if they hold on to that, that women will never have freedom and they will never have rights and that first they must <laughs> abolish the church, essentially. Yeah. Um and I found that interesting in this conversation. And that quote that Gage says applies today (laughs) i hate it so much yeah no it's true and i like like we said at the top i didn't know that religion was going to be such a big part of this i was shocked that at this time they were saying this stuff not because they were wrong but because it feels so explosive even today right um (laughs) but they they were back then like nope it's not gonna work (laughs) The fact that, yeah, that women were actually printing this mm-hmm. as a part of their goals, essentially, and in some of their points is phenomenal because we know how Puritan level uh, it was in that point in time. And to have these women come forward, again, I didn't realize, honestly, that level and that depth. I just assumed they were Christian women because most of the time that I hear from about uh the suffragists, I think about the prohibition too mm-hmm. uh, in the 1920s as it comes around. Yeah. So it, it didn't link to me in all of that because it was kind of the morality level as well. Like women have uh, an opinion. They created the temperance society at that point in the 1920s. So it's a little later, but still all these things um, in the 1900s and an understanding at that point that that is such a different point of view. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. that I don't know Stanton and Gage's uh, opinions on alcohol, but I guess maybe today that's what I like. That good Christian behavior kind of goes alongside that. So seeing them outright being outspoken about their disdain about European Christianity, wow! Like yeah. wow. Yeah, I think there's also just this is my experience. There's kind of a general vibe that everybody was pretty, every, like, white European Christian was pretty religious. Um, right. And so that's just sort of my assumption is, like, oh, pe- mo- almost everybody was religious. 
Um, But that doesn't seem like it was the case. So with that, I think it's it's something that we we should note that because we often talk about the beginning of movements uh, and even the beginning of the country as some kind of religious adventure Mm -hmm. or whatever. And this was obviously not that. This was obviously not that. They were radical. They were radical to the core. They would be radical today. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure, didn't one of them say that? Like she kind of called out the hypocrisy of... Oh, you wanted to leave Europe because of religious yes. persecution, and right. now <laughs> that I'm saying yeah. this, you're persecuting you, me. Yeah, and as in fact, then she talks about that you wanted freedom and the rights that we were so oppressed by, and then we fought with you, and then you took it away from us too. How mm-hmm. we were right. with you, we were with you in this cause, and they quote Abigail Adams, which was before that movement, in her hopes that things would change for women, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she feared that. She feared that we were working alongside these men, but we're not going to get the rights. Right. Yep. But you know, there's there's so there's so much to this. Yes. Yeah, and then you know, I, we want to end it on a little more of a positive note, I guess. And as Dr. Wagner talked about in early in the book, uh, the idea of balance for the Haudenosaunee is key. Uh, she writes. The Haudenosaunee worldview is based on keeping everything in balance. Women and men each have responsibilities they must carry out to maintain this balance. The clan mother has the entire extended family that makes up a clan. Um, and I, I, that is an amazing representation, but it's not. It was their lifestyle mm-hmm. of what it could be. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, it feels like we're just saying the same thing over and over again. But it really is like when you read it, it's devastating how hard it was for me to even envision a lot of this. Right. Um, and it's been here this whole time. You know, right. the Haudenosaunee have been living this life and finding this balance. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting because when we think about equality, the word balance doesn't come to mind for me, mm-hmm. but it is. That's exactly what we're asking for is an, a balance. Um, and when balance happens, equity happens so that we can all catch up to so that the scale is balanced and brought back to as it should be mm-hmm. and being equal to all. But it, it's such an interesting aspect of seeing that in, in such a like, symbolic manner. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? But yeah, love this book. I think everyone should read it. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to learn a lot of history that you don't know, you're going to understand and be jealous of a culture <laughs> that, unfortunately, uh, many of the colonizers try to completely destroy. Yep. Um, and I'm glad it didn't. And I'm glad it's coming back in full force and in, in at least being in conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to have met someone like Gotcha Juni Fox, who is doing so much to make sure that story is out there. Yep. And for Dr. Wagner, who is also making sure that she's only not only shining a light onto our own prejudice, but shining a light on the rest of us and, and letting us know the true history behind some of the things that we just attribute to a few people, a few right. white people, and mm-hmm. making it bigger. Yes. Yes. I, I totally agree that, like, everyone should read this. Go watch the documentary. Um, and I, I know Gajit Juni Fox said in her interview, and she said this in other interviews, this should be taught in schools. And I... 1,000% agree it should be in every school. Absolutely. Yes. Well, uh, clearly we had so much to say about this. Uh, we feel like uh, it'll it'll definitely give you a lot to think about. So read yes. it if you haven't already. If there's something else like this we should be reading and talking about, let us know. We love your suggestions. 
You can email us at Stephanie and MomStuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You and TikTok at Stuff I've Never Told You. Whoa. We have a video. You need to go watch it. <laughs> yes. That is the... <laughs> Thank you, Joey. <laughs> yes, Joey is amazing and patient, we'll always say. Um, thanks to our super producer, Christina. Also amazing Thank patient. You. Yes. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Home Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.